to talk, but we don't like to listen very much. And so I think that every believer should learn how to hear from God. And so today, part five, I'm going to talk to you about this Holy Spirit clarity. Holy Spirit clarity. And the word clarity starts with what letter? What is it? What letter? Okay, so every point today is going to start with the letter C as well. Now, the number one goal when I meet with God, I don't know if this is a goal when you meet with God, but when I meet with God, my first goal is to hear a precise, specific, detailed word for me. When I meet with God, I want to hear a specific, I want to hear God's specific will for my sermon. His specific will for my life and my finances. His specific will for my relationship and my big decisions in life. Everybody say specific will. Now, everybody can hear a general word from God by coming to church here. Every Sunday morning when you're here, you all get to hear a general word from God. During praise and worship, the songs on the screen and you singing them, you can hear general words from God. Uh, you can open up your Bible and hear a general word from God. Uh, let me give you some general words. I believe, and I hope you believe, that God wants you to have a roof over your head. Do you believe that? Yes or no? Okay, but here's the specific. Which house does He want you to buy? Which condominium does He want you to live in? All through the Bible, there were specific places God called people to worship and to live and to be and to work at. Specific will. Uh, we know the New Testament says that every single believer should be a member of a local church. Everybody say member. member. But which church? The Bible is not clear on which church you should join. We know that as believers, we should all serve the body of Christ, correct? But which area are we called to serve God in? And for how long? There are seasons in the Bible you serving and you growing an area and then you move to another area of ministry and you serve and you grow. Those are specific words. Um, Gideon knew in the Bible, Gideon knew that God wanted him to raise up an army and go and fight for Israel. But God, Gideon had to get with God personally and spend time with God to find out specifically which men to bring into battle and which men to not bring into battle. How many of you know that God has specific people he wants you to partner up with and have a relationship with and he has specific people that he does not want you to bring into battle because some of the people you're hanging around may not be qualified to go to battle with you because there are things that are for your destiny that some people just don't understand so you get with God because you know God wants you to have friends you know he wants you to minister to people but specifically which ones are we understanding the difference between general and specific uh, Noah knew that God wanted him to build an ark, but you talk about getting with God, he had to find out specific dimensions for that ark. What type of wood to use, how big to make each stall, how to handle the animals. There had to be specific instruction. So knowing that we are trying to hear God's specific will for our life, because you know, a lot of times we get lazy and we just come to church and that's it. In fact, I'll tell you, if you ever want to um, have a big church, if you ever want to just grow a big, big church, here's what you do. You say, you know what? Forget all the expectations. Forget all the, the things that God's called us to come up higher in. Let's just let everybody come to church, feel good, and leave. And they just and that's how you hear from God. You just come on Sunday, feel good, hear a little word, and then you leave. And there's no growing people. There's no discipling. There's no serving. That's how you grow a big church. And I told myself years ago, I would rather have... A church where I believe everybody in it's going to heaven than a church where everybody feels good on earth and we don't know if they're going to heaven or not because there's no growth in their life. 
So, if we want a specific word from God, you've got to get God, get alone with God, and here's how you gain clarity. Here's how you gain clarity. Um, you have to learn that the number one block in hearing from God is your soul. It's not the devil, it's not your enemies, it's your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Let me say it like this. What you think can hinder what God thinks. What you want can hinder what God wants. And what you feel can hinder what God is wanting you to do in your life. If you live by your soul, you are not being guided by the Spirit. Remember, God speaks Spirit to Spirit. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a soul. There's nothing wrong with having feelings. The Holy Spirit has feelings. It says that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. God, one scripture says God can sit in the heaven and laugh. There's nothing wrong with being excited. There's nothing wrong with crying when you're upset. There's nothing wrong with being angry. But there is something wrong when you act or live based on those emotions or those soulish nature. In fact, I even like to minister to your soul on Sunday mornings. We'll tell you a joke. I want you to leave here feeling good. But more importantly, I want the Spirit of God to speak to your spirit. Because if that doesn't happen, there will never be any change in your life. 1 Corinthians 3.3 3 says this, You are immature. You are unspiritual when you are being controlled by emotional impulses. Let me say it in the affirmative. You are a spiritual, mature Christian when you're being led by the Spirit of God rather than how you feel or what you think or what you desire. So the goal for today's sermon is for you to learn how to become emotionally neutral. The only way you can hear from God specifically on a certain subject, where what city you move to, how to handle a situation in life, what to do with this extra money you have, the only way you can hear a specific word is if you can learn how to get emotionally neutral. Now, the sermon I'm going to preach today, the, the next 20 minutes of it, not only will it help you hear from God, it'll help you hear from people. It'll help you learn how to hear the heart of your boss, how to hear the heart of your spouse, how to hear the heart of your children, but we have to learn how to be emotionally neutral. Now, here's what I mean. This is, you see this phone here that's got the old da 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 like if you were, if you were dying and you had to call 911, it's like da 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 I'm dead now, you know what I mean? Anyway, so Micah saw this. He said, well, honey, how do you text on this phone? I said, I'll show you later. So anyway, we had one of these when I was growing up. And so here's what it is. Let's say that this phone over here, and this is how God's going to reach me. And so um, it, it rings, you know, ring, ring. Something like that. Bring. It was more like bring, bring. Anyway, so God's on the phone, okay? The problem is, I'm not going to be able to hear what he's saying when I'm this far away. And the thing that blocks me from getting close enough to the receiver to hear from God is what I want, is how I feel, and is what I think about the situation. Our goal as believers should be to do this. should be to say, God, what do you want? How do you feel about this? And what do you think about what's going on? And then when we get there, we can hear what God's trying to say. Understand? That's how you become emotionally neutral. So I'm going to give you three points today that all start with the letter C on how you can get close enough to that receiver to hear what God is trying to tell you. You ready? Number one is this. Number one, we have to be consistent. Everybody say consistent. Emotional consistency is rare in Christian adults these days. In other words, we cannot be yo-yo Christians. 
A yo-yo Christian is up when their circumstances are up and down when their circumstances are down. We have to get off of the emotional roller coaster of life. We think that we're on this roller coaster because of our circumstances. We think that we're on this roller coaster because of the way our boss is treating us. We think we're on this roller coaster because of what our spouse is doing. But we're on that roller coaster because we've chosen to get on that roller coaster. And nobody can force you to get on. And here's the sad news. Nobody can force you to get off. As much as people in your life want you to get off of that emotional roller coaster, you have to make the decision yourself to do so. Here's what I mean. If it's raining or if it's sunny, you're still in church. If your boss treats you great, if your boss treats you bad, you still work with integrity. If you're angry or if you're happy, you still treat people with kindness. In other words, you are living not by how you feel, you're living by what you know God wants you to do. When you do that, He will speak to you clearer and clearer and clearer in your life. Ephesians 4.15 We must stop acting like children tossed to and fro. In other words, a child is like on a boat and whichever way the waves go is the way the boat's going to toss and turn. Rather, it says, let us grow up. Everybody say, grow up. Grow up in every way. It's like, I didn't even think of this, but it's like that movie Big with Tom Hanks, you know? He had the adult body, but he was still a kid on the inside. Now, here's, here's my question to you. Um, let me ask it to you sociologically and then theologically. Sociologically, what is the difference between a child and an adult? Sociologically, the difference we say between a child and an adult is their age. If they're a certain age, we consider them a child. We send them to children's church. If they're a certain age, we consider them a teenager. A certain age, we consider them an adult based on their age. Theologically, that is not the case. Theologically, a child is known not by what age they are. Theologically, a child is known by how they act. It says in Proverbs, a child is known by his doings. In other words, I could open up the Bible. I could show you teenagers that are more mature than most Christian adults in America right now. I could show you children in the Bible who had a greater desire to do what God said rather than how they feel than a lot of adults we see today. Now, here's what I'm trying to say. If we're going to grow up, we have to be consistent no matter what we feel, no matter what's going on in our life. Because biblically, the definition of an adult is somebody who is led by their spirit, not by how they feel. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus doesn't change. Thank the Lord. Thank Him that Jesus, thank Him that He doesn't change. <laughs> he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Here's what I mean by that. We don't got to wonder what kind of mood He's going to be in. If He's angry as all get out, He still acts in love. If He's incredibly displeased with what we've done, He still acts in love and does what is best for us. If he's incredibly happy and excited, he still acts in love. We never have to wonder what Jesus is going to do. We know how he's going to do. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Here's what I'm saying. God is not inconsistent. God does not contradict himself. Um, I heard about this guy. He was telling his friend about his wife's new mood ring. He said, my wife got a mood ring. He said, whenever she's in a really good mood, the ring turns green. When she's in a really bad mood, it leaves a red mark on my forehead. <laughs> you didn't see that coming anyway listen Jesus Jesus doesn't change his mind every other week I hear people say well God I'm so thankful God opened up this door for me to have this new job thank you Jesus two weeks later God wants me to quit my job wait a minute did God just change his mind or did your boss offend you did God change his mind that quick 
Or did they ask you to do something you just didn't agree with? You don't like your coworkers. Well, God told me that he wants me to move to this city and he wants to grow and there. And then two months later, God wants me to move somewhere else. Is God changing his mind that quick? Well, God wants me to serve in this area of church, and I know he's called me to do this. And then five days later, you know what? I think God wants me to do this. Now I think, I, whoa, 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 that's not God speaking to you. That's something else. It's not God. We are unable to get close to the receiver when we're being controlled by these emotional impulses. We have to learn to be faithful, consistent, no matter what's going on in our life. Um, and listen, don't, don't, don't base your life on people coming up and telling you, you need to pray for this, believe for this, do this. That'll always confuse baby Christians. And you might be a baby Christian, so don't listen to that. If you choose to sit under a teacher or sit under a pastor or a prophet or something, then you can take what they say as wise. Or if you go to people, but don't let somebody come up to you and always tell you what you need to change, what you need to fix, who you need to pray for. There's this guy in this other church down here, and um, he was walking around telling people, you need to believe God for this, you need to believe God for that. And he went to this one couple and he told the husband, you need to go on that missions trip to Africa next month with your church. And the, the, the guy thought, I, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. I, me and my wife had plans, and I, I didn't know that. So he goes to his pastor, and it's a true story. And he told his pastor, he said, that brother so-and-so told me I need to go to that Africa mission trip next month. What do you think? And the pastor said, I don't know, but I do know if you go, you should bring that guy with you. He said, well, why should I bring the guy with me? He says, that way you'll know when you're supposed to come back from the Africa mission trip. You can ask him and... And tell them, you can't do that. you got to be led by the Spirit of God, not by every single wind of doctrine that you hear in your life. Uh, let's see if there's something else I want to say. Oh, here's what I want to tell you this. Is, um, in our life, no matter how good of a Christian we are, discouragement is going to come knocking on our door. Offense will take place in any and every relationship you choose to be in. Anger is a part of being a parent and having kids. Okay? But, when you are acting or living based on those emotions, you are walking further and further away from the receiver and you're not going to be able to hear God very clearly. Okay? So number one is be consistent. Number two is this. Be calm. Be calm. And, and I think you're going to get this one really quick. Here's what I mean. Have you ever been in conversation with one of your kids or somebody at work or something and they're just acting out and they're incredibly, um, they're, they're loud and they're all riled up and you say to this to them, calm down and we'll talk about it. I don't want to calm down. He broke up with me. I loved him and he was going to die. Calm down and we'll deal with it. You, can, like, you can't tell me not to have that. And I can't believe you're saying, calm down and we'll deal with it. And, Anna, and they get louder and I say, calm down and we'll talk. And then what do you do when they don't calm down? You walk away. I thought you loved me and you were my mom and daddy. You can't walk out. Don't you care about me? How can you let this happen to me? And you're saying, I can't talk to you right now when you're all riled up. If you don't calm down, we're not going to be able to deal with it. And I think God says that to us a lot. Just calm down. In other words, pretend like I got everything under control. Pretend like you serve the creator of the universe. Pretend like Jesus is your Lord for a minute. Shut up, sit back, and then we'll deal with it. Psalms 94.13 says God gives us the power to stay calm in the days of adversity. How many times in my own life have I been so upset I'm screaming, I'm crying to God, I'm begging Him to talk. Why won't you speak to me? I can't hear anything from you. What do you want me to do? Have I done something wrong? Do you not love me anymore? Are you not called me anymore? God, speak! I hear nothing. Two or three weeks later, I'm quiet, I'm still, got my Bible open, I'm meditating, and then the Word of God just comes 
minute after minute after minute. We've got to learn how to calm down. Exodus 14.10 says this, When the children of Israel saw Pharaoh approaching, here's what they did. They became full of fear and they cried out to God. You know, they, they, they got, God had delivered them from Pharaoh. They're excited. They're high-fiving each other. Life is great. Jesus is good. Everything's going to be okay. Sure enough, their enemies on their tail and everything changed. And here's what I think is very interesting about this scripture is Satan is doing the exact same thing to us thousands of years later. If you're ever curious what the devil's going to try to do to get you off of God's best path for your life, if you're ever curious what the devil's trying to do to get you away from your God-given destiny, just read the Bible because he hasn't changed anything. The devil has not come up with any new schemes. He's not come up with any new ways to get you off balance. He's not come up with any new tricks or ideas to get you out of the church or away from God. It's the same thing he did thousands of years ago, and unfortunately, we're falling for it just like the children of Israel were as well. The second things don't go our way, we scream, cry, we're full of fear. Now Moses, being the great leader that he was, he understood this. If we're going to hear God's next move for our life, we got to calm down. See, a lot of times we start making these decisions and taking these steps in life and we're not hearing from God, we're hearing from ourselves. We're doing what we want to do, what we feel like doing. We're going to think the thoughts we think are best, and we go after it without ever waiting until we actually hear a specific word from God. Moses told the people in verse 14, if you shut up and get calm, God will work in your life. That was the Sakasti translation. If you shut up, get calm, God will work in your life. Moses was a wise leader. He, and listen, we're not talking about atheists. We're not talking about agnostics. We're talking about people who serve the Most High God getting all upset when things don't go their way. And so Moses said, listen, be quiet if you want to hear God's word. And in the next scripture it says, then, in other words, after they remain calm, then the Lord spoke. Stretch forth your staff. The Red Sea parted and everything was okay. We have to learn to get to a place where we have not allowed our emotions to control us, but we have chosen to control our emotions. Then you'll hear God more clearly in your life. 2 Timothy 4, 5 says this, Be calm, be cool, I got that one down, be steady and unflinchingly endure hardships. Now, just, you know, the Bible's written for everybody, okay? But there are certain scriptures that are written mainly to certain people. This is actually a leadership chapter. Uh, Timothy, Titus, you'll see it has a lot to do with leaders in church or people who really want to serve God, okay? Here's what this says, because let's, let's say we had a sign-up sheet. For anybody that wants to really serve in church, serve others, be a, a servant leader, you want to grow in God, here's what we should put on the, on the paper. We should put this, okay, sign up for it. Here's some things that's going to happen. You're going to have hardships. You're going to have hardships. It doesn't say in the scripture, hey, pray that no hardships come your way. The more you serve God, the easier life's going to be. The more you say yes to Jesus, the more great things are going to make your life so easy and enjoyable. You're going to float on a cloud all through church. Your life's going to be easy. Your boss is going to treat you so good. The more you serve Jesus, the more money's going to come your way. You're going to sleep better. No, 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 no. It says this, hey, you're going to have a lot of hardships in your life. Now, how many people want to sign up to serve God? But here's the key. Unflinchingly endure them. Don't always pray that they disappear. Don't always pray you don't go through it. Here's what you need to do. You need to pray that you can endure it 
without even flinching. The next scripture says this, fully perform the duties of your ministry. I love that. Here's why I was thinking, what if our children's church workers, they got their, their lesson plan for our kids today? And one of them came in and I said, okay, y'all got a good lesson plan today? And the children's church leader said, I'm not teaching the kids today. Why? Well, somebody told me they didn't like my outfit. I walked in and they said, that outfit makes you look a little bit heavy. And I said, you know what? I'm not doing my job today. I'm not going to help out the church. I'm not going to serve because they hurt my feelings. What if one of our, 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 our singer, what if our musician, what if our musician, the, the, what if Dominic says, you know what? I'm not going to play bass today. Why not, Dominic? Because y'all picked a song that I don't feel like playing. I just don't like that song. So I'm not, I'm going to stand here and smile, but I'm not going to play. And, you know, we think that's funny, but you know what? A lot of believers are doing the same thing. We're not lifting our hands. We're not worshiping. We're not singing. Why? I just don't feel like it. I just don't feel Once I feel the Spirit, then I'll pray and I'll serve and I'll do things. You know what? You need to feel. You need to feel what God's saying to you. You need to back up and say, listen, what's wrong with me? Not what's wrong with God. Not what's wrong with my leader. Not what's wrong with the President of the United States. What's wrong with me? You know, when we talk bad, you know, I can't stand seeing people talk bad about our leaders of our government. I don't care if you like them or don't. If you have nothing good to say, don't say it at all. And they talk bad. I don't care if it's Obama or Trump. I don't care which one it is. Why would you want to blaspheme? Why would you want to, want to speak negatively on a platform where thousands of people can read your negative heart? No, I'm saying that stuff because of the way they're running the government. No, you're saying that stuff because your heart's filled with crud. Get this stuff out of your heart and your words will start to change. And we want to we hear from God, but we blast, all the, we blast people that God is allowed to be in authority over us. We blast them and then we say, God, will you talk to me? God, hello? God? God? What? If your heart's not right, how are you going to hear from this, this God who wants, to, to, wants you to build his? We think that life's about our kingdom. It's not about our kingdom. It's about his kingdom. You know, there's the teenagers in this Bible... Man, do you know that, that there were teenagers that, that were willing to get martyred for the sake of Jesus Christ? They were crucified on a cross upside down. Upside down. Hey, will you sign up to help us with the safety team once a year? Uh, I don't know if I can do that. Upside down, they were willing to be crucified for Jesus. Here's my question. Are we raising up a nursery or are we raising up an army of God? There should be a big difference between us and the rest of the world. Uh, man, when you go to another country, and I'm going off my notes, and you, you can't even go to a church because you'll be killed. You can't even go to a church because you'll be killed, but yet they're willing to have secret meetings just to worship God corporately, knowing they could be killed at any minute. Hey, can, we, can you sign up to bring somebody food? Nah, I don't know if I can do that. I got a busy week. I got a busy week. And you want to be a, 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 a strong foundation for the body of Christ? Number one was be consistent. Number two is be calm. Number three is this, be content. I actually think this is the most important of the three. Maybe it's just for me and the things I've gone through in life. But I think, that if, I think this is the most important one. You say, John Paul, what if, what if I have all these hardships you're talking about? What if this bad stuff's happening to me? How do you suggest I handle that? Okay, here's the answer, because that was a great question that you just asked. Here's how you handle it. You sleep well tonight. You smile when you get up tomorrow morning. You sing as loud as you can in church. You go to your Bible study just like everything is great. Here's what you do. You faith it. You don't fake it. You faith it. Sometimes we have to step out in faith whether we feel like it or not in order to see God's best plan for our life. 
I wish more Christians would faith it today. We don't faith. You know, the Bible talks about how we should live by faith, and here's what we do. We live by faith on Sunday morning, then we live by fear on Sunday night. Then we're living by faith on the way to work until somebody makes us mad, now we're living by anger. Then Wednesday night Bible study, we're faith in it, but then when we get home, we're full of doubt and worry and fear what's going to happen the next day. That's the yo-yo roller coaster living. we got to learn how to be content whether everything's going our way or be content whether the whole world is flipped upside down on us. Here's why. We serve the God of the universe. We don't serve the President of the United States. We don't serve the world leaders. We serve the God of the universe. Philippians 4.11 says, I've learned how to be content in whatever state I am. That means you can be content if you live in North Carolina. You can be content if you live in Florida. You can... The whole sermon was based around that one joke I thought of, and it bombed, not that kind of state, but emotional states. We've learned how to be content no matter what place we're in. And I thought that was such a funny joke. I was expecting a huge roar of the crowd laughing. I'm just kidding. Okay, here's the greatest point today. Greatest point you're ever going to hear in this sermon today. We don't hear from God so that He can confirm our will. We hear from God so that we can conform to His will. Let me say it in a different way. We don't get together with God so that we can get Him to say what we want Him to say. We get with God so that our heart can change to what it is He's telling us. If you're not emotionally neutral when you go into a situation with God, you will always come out believing that God said the very thing you wanted. Let me, let me give you some examples, okay? Um, you're praying about whether to quit your job or not. Let me ask you this. Do you really want to quit your job? Yes, I want to quit my job so bad. Okay, you cannot hear from God on that subject. You won't be able to. I don't care how much you beg, scream, and cry. If you want it that bad, you can't hear from God on that subject. Well, um, I want to buy a new car. Do you, do you really want to buy a new car? Oh, man, I hate the car I have. I can't stand that. Then you're not going to be able to hear from God on whether or not He wants you to buy a new car and which car He wants you to buy. Here's why you're not content. When you get to the point where you say, God, I'm going to go in this meeting with you, and if you tell me to keep the car I have for five more years, I'm going to be thankful, I'm going to be grateful, I'm going to worship you, I'm going to give, I'm going to serve, I'm going to be just as happy... If you tell me to keep my old raggedy car is if you tell me to go ahead and buy the new one. Either way, I'm 100% okay. When you have that attitude, you'll be able to hear exactly what God wants you to do. We have to learn how to be content. We have to learn that when we get with God, it's not... It's, listen, I, everybody I talk to, everybody, even myself, when there's something we want so bad and we get with God, we'll, in fact, we will even use the name of God you know what? God just wants me to do that. Isn't it funny how God always wants what you want when it should be? We should want what God wants. <laughs> we always come out of these meetings. You know what? I just feel so good about it. I just feel so good. I just feel a peace. Of course you feel a peace. That's what you wanted to do. You're not going to feel If that's what you wanted to do, it's easy to feel a peace on that. What about the things we have we, that, that we don't know what God wants? we got to get where we say, God, I'm okay no matter what. No matter what happens. If, 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 if you tell me to stick with this job and that I should be treating my boss better, even though they don't treat me very good, if you say that to me, I'm going to be just as happy as if you tell me to leave this job and you'll open up a door for another one. 
And too many Christians today, they're acting not on what God's telling them, but on what it is they want, what will make them feel better. If we are begging God to change things, it will cause us to walk through a door that God did not open. You know, in life, I don't know if you've ever had this. I always have this thought. I always have this thought. I say, God, is this my talent or my gifts or my personality that's getting me through this door? Or is this you that's opening this door? Have you ever thought that? Have you ever thought, you know, that something happens, a door opens, and you think, is this God opening the door? Or is this just me able to, to make it open on my own? Am I the only one? That's, has anyone ever had that thought? Okay, one more person. Okay, I'm just kidding. So I know you've had the thought, because if I've had it, you've had it. Here's how you know if it's you forcing the door open or if it's God opening the door. It's before you even pray about it, you get content. Because if you're discontent, as soon as that door opens, listen, it could be Satan opening the door. It could be the devil opening the door for you to get to a place where God did not call you to be. But because you want it so bad, you're not going to be happy unless God does it. I promise you that door will always open. Somehow you'll find a way or the devil will find a way to open that door and it's not one God wanted you to walk through. Being content doesn't mean that we're not wanting change. Being content means we're not fighting. We're not all riled up. It means we're at peace while we're waiting to hear from God on that subject. In fact, the reason we get all riled up is because we're not getting our way. I mean, that's the only reason we get riled up. is because an expectation that we had was not met. A desire that we had did not come to pass. How we wanted that person to respond, they didn't respond the way we wanted them to, so now we're all riled up and we're further and further away from that phone trying to hear from God. Something I've learned in life, and, and I'm, I'm almost done, but it's this. Just because we're uncomfortable doesn't mean we're not exactly where God wants us to be. I don't know why we have this, um, this, this wrong mindset. It's an it's a, it's a American Christian stronghold. I feel like I'm being angry today. We're all good, right? We're all still friends. Everybody's still friends. We all love you. I love John Paul. I just love him. If you don't take the Beta Satan book at home with you, and then you'll forgive me when we're done. Okay, so I, I think, I think that, um, that, that, that American Christians have this idea that if I'm not comfortable, that's not where God wants me. That is so far from the Bible. That is so far from the Bible. Do you know how many people... We have mature people. We have, you know what? We have grown men in this Bible. All God told Jonah to do was preach a sermon. He didn't tell him to give his life. He didn't tell him to hang on a cross upside down. He didn't tell him to spend 25 years working with no food. He didn't tell him to go to prison. He said, just go preach a sermon. And that man didn't just stay there and say no. He went in the opposite direction. But then you have teenagers in the New Testament. This minute God said, leave everything you have and follow me. They leave everything they have and they started going forward. Last story and I'm done. Okay, Luke 1, 28 through 38. Gabriel, this angel, went to Mary. This is the word of the Lord for her. You found favor with God. You're going to conceive and give birth to Jesus, the Son of the Most High. He'll reign forever. His kingdom will never end. The Holy Spirit's going to empower you to give birth to the Son of God. How did this teenager, everybody say teenager. How did this teenager respond? You mean I got to ride a donkey and not a horse and carriage? Forget that. You mean there's not going to be a hotel for me? I got to stay in a manger? No way. If I'm going to serve you, you better make it easy on me. If I'm going to do this for you, you better make it comfortable for me. 
If I'm going to do this for you, you better make everything go my way or I'm not going to do it. That's what our heart is saying. And then we want to hear from God who's trying to get us to grow in his kingdom. Did Mary say, did Mary say, um, wait, is there going to be an epidural? If there's no epidural, you can count me out. I need my latte from Starbucks. I need some makeup. I need at least three doctors and a doula. Is that what they call it? Medula? Medusa? What's it called? Doula, whatever. I need that, and then I'll give birth to your son. How did this teenager respond when she was asked to serve God? She was asked to serve the Most High God. What was her response? What was her response? Here, hey, we, want, we need you to serve God in this area. Here, here's what, let, me, let me just read you her answer. Verse 38, Mary said this. I'm the servant of the Lord. Whatever you say, let it be done unto me. Whatever you, you, you want me to serve? You want me to sing in the choir? Of course I'll be there on time. You want me to serve you? You want me to serve the body of Christ? Yes! Hey, we need you to sign up for the safety team. Me? You're going to let me serve this family? You're going to let me be a part of something this great? Of course I'll do it. Yes! Mary said, you know what, God? I got a lot going on this week. You know, I got... I gotta watch Oprah three times. I gotta make sure that you know, God, I just I got so many, I gotta take the kids to soccer practice. I don't think I'm gonna be able to help you out in this area, God. Ask in a few years when things are easier on me. And and and, and this teenager, of course I'll serve you. Just what you have said. Next time you need to hear a detailed, specific word from God, prepare your heart to become emotionally neutral. Be consistent, be calm, and be content. No matter what God says to you, and I promise you'll hear Him very, very clear in your life. Amen.